Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to another week on the Attacking Scrum podcast. After a week on my own last week, I'm delighted to welcome back uh, some guests. We got... Uh, we got I got co co-host either side of me. Well, metaphorically speaking, uh, we've got the mighty Murph, <laughs> Hello. and we've got and we got Stefan Thomas with us. How are you, Steph? Yeah, very well. Thanks. Thanks for the invite. Uh, Always you, good you to have you on. Be, um, you must be spewing after um, you know your team had uh, you know came so close to a yeah. significant win. Yeah, th- thanks for that one right off the bank, there, Steph. Good <laughs> <laughs> walk straight on, walk straight on to a left cross there in round in minute one of round one. Um, yeah, I've literally just finished watching it as well, having avoided the result for uh, for twenty four hours. Uh, sat down to watch it. Um, yeah, I am. I'm really angry. Uh, not angry. That's not the right word. I'm really disappointed because the win was there to be had, and um, you know, I could try and pick a couple of holes in a few refereeing decisions, but that's not the reason. We missed. We missed a penalty in front of the sticks, and I think you you do that nine points up, uh, you don't you don't lose that game. It's just uh, it's just too far for the Sharks to come back. It was a really good performance from the Dragons, particularly up front. I mean, that's um, that trying to look at it philosophically. Uh, that is a that's a pack that can that can contest this year. Uh, Rollins was excellent again, as we said in our preview. That you know he's the the single most important player in that side, but I also thought that uh, that George not on the blind side was excellent, and it was just like really good work. I thought that we, you know, we had a hundred percent line out record. Uh, the scrum went pretty well for a dragon scrum, and uh, I thought we bossed them at the breakdown. We're really physical, so there's there's lots to work on. But passes didn't go to hand, and those kind of skill and and the sharks by contrast, you know, when they were throwing a throwing an offload, it stuck. 
and uh, and you know that's and that's why they that's why they won the game. I think they they took those chances, but realistically, that's a game last year or maybe even two weeks ago. That's a game that we lose by twenty five points. So you try and look at it like that, but at the same time, it's a game that was there for the taking. Yeah, I think they got a they got a well coached pack as well. Mm. Um, as you said, you know they, they work really well as a unit. Rowlands as Wales' best second road. I think. Is there any doubt about that? If the Lions tour this summer, he's probably on that plane. Uh, that that's how, how good his form is. I think George Knott's a good signing. He's not he's not the type of player that's going to get the headlines, but he's a really good no. grafter. Brings a physical edge to it. Um, you know his his work is very high. I thought Basham was excellent, and it's just just the the intensity as well. They you know in in terms of their defence, you know there were a few times. The sharks, you know, they, they made clean line breaks, but the scramble defence was excellent, and there was a real appetite to tackle and defend. Um, and it was a really good performance. But I think, you know, when, when you're up against a team like that, and the sharks are a better team than the dragons, the dragons played, you know, above themselves really. You know, you you you've got to nail those key moments, and the key moment was, you know, Angus O'Brien had a good game, but interception, yeah. sharks didn't have to work for that. And uh, again, Will Reed, hugely promising player, but you know he nails that kick, two score yep. game, ten minutes ago, you know, four points in the bag. But uh, you know, Di Flanagan is getting a tune out of them. Um, one thing I would say, um, I would question um, the professionalism of some players if they, if they, you know, I understand things weren't that great under Dean Ryan, but. You know, there's still a lot of supporters who are paying a lot of money to um to watch them play week in week out. So I'm unsure why they they couldn't bring that level of intensity over the past 18 months. But mm. you know, I think the the performances have improved massively, and uh, you know, it's a shame they lost. But at last, they you know they seem to be heading in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, the, the only thing I would say with that is I, I now I mention it. Uh, sorry, now you mention it. Thinking back to the first couple of home games from last season, I think it was a game against the Ospreys that we should have won and didn't. But again, there was a level of intensity. They seemed to go really well for the first 40, 60 minutes of the first couple of games of last season. And then, you know, the autumn came and they and they dropped off a cliff. So it has to, you know, they have to, they have to build on this. Um, it, a, a win would have been absolutely massive. But again, it's, it's about what follows now. And... Um, Avoiding the hammerings away from home against against bigger sides, and they've just got to you know string together some home wins. But yeah, you're you're right. It's the, the intensity gives you gives you a chance to win these games, and then you know you you just got to hope that the the rest comes with it. What did you make of that game, Murph? I would imagine that uh, Dragons forwards feel feel pretty sick after that one because they, they pretty much I would say did enough to win the game. They had enough over the uh, Lions to deliver a victory and then the backs just handed it back uh, it's a little bit like well same same opposition they did a sickening side to play against uh, uh, the Lions because same opposition last week it was, it was Lions against Cardiff mate it was Sharks was Dragons oh right? shit I've got it all fucking wrong then as usual it, 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 it's still it still rings true because last week yeah. I felt as though if Hanscom was playing for the Ospreys they'd have won that game mm. this week I felt if Hanrahan was playing for the Dragons he would have just been steady enough and solid enough to get him over the line obviously Will Reed is the future or we hope he is anyway but it was just a little bit of looking after uh, a, a really hard working pack more than they were I know you still got to when you you know they were what were they uh, 13 points in front I think you still got to keep playing you can't shut up shop but mm. 
you've just got to be much more careful with it than that. And, and especially because a lot, a lot of the, uh, I'm comparing the sharks and lions, but when they're on the road, they're not looking to play that much. They're just looking to, mm. like, they're, they're, they're physical all the time with the breakdown and they're, they're in your face in the set piece all the time. And then they just take their chances. They're not like uh, going to ring, they're not going to run rings around you up here like they will down there. Um, and, and you just got to be realistic about what, what uh, the sides, the regional sides playing them. I think you just got to be realistic about what they're facing. They're just waiting to kind of pounce on errors more than anything else. They're actually trying to, uh, um, uh, out champagne you uh, uh, up here away from home so um, yeah I, th- I just think an older head at halfback would have probably seen yeah. the Dragons home and that's what makes it even more sickening f- as, as a spectator and I, I can't imagine what it's like if you've been uh, grinding it out in the front five for 17 minutes to see it fall away in the last 10 like you know yeah it's a, it's a good chat and I mean obviously the, with Hanrahan unavailable and Sam Davis unavailable as well. Um, you know, essentially you've got your one fit fly half, and then Angus, and then he went off injured as well, uh, right towards the end of the game. Mm. Admittedly, after um, after a lot of what you've mentioned had taken place, but um, yeah, already some, some injury woes, and I think that'll be that'll be the concern as well. Ashton Hewitt going off injured again, which uh, again I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know any more details on that, but. We were saying, we were saying, I was saying on my own last week that um, <laughs> that, uh, that he just, you know, he just wanted to stay injury free, and um, yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, that hasn't happened again. So fingers crossed, it's not, um, it's not too serious. But yeah, as we said before, you know, like squad depth is going to be is going to be tested both through injuries and when there's where's Wales call ups. How do you see that throughout the rest of the, the season for the Dragons? Steph, do you think there's enough? quality and depth or are there going to be you know going to be some some tough months ahead at, at certain points for the dragons i think um there's inevitably going to be some tough months ahead because um you know when, when you um don't have um the play and budget of other teams i know a lot of you know i can sense a lot of people on social media getting fed up with the word budget and um people using it as, as excuses but that's just a fact i mean if you've got less money to spend in your squad, then you're going to have less depth and less quality players. Um, I think it's, it is the strongest Dragon squad for quite a long time. That's, that's evident. But, you know, uh, you get a few injuries and there's a big there's a big sort of drop-off between first choice and, and second choice in some positions. And then they've got more depth than they had in the past. But they, st- they still can't, you know, they can't... I don't think they can absorb a lot of injuries. You know, they haven't got South African level depth or, or, or you know, Leinster level depth, obviously, nowhere near. So um, a lot of it is luck. Um, if they can keep um, a relatively fully fit squad, then I think they can, um, you know, they, they can be competitive. Um, the challenge for them is emotionally as well, just, just keeping keeping that level of emotion up because um, the, the, their performances against both Munster and and the Sharks, it was it was really emotional. You know, they obviously had a point to prove. I imagine all the criticism they've had and the Dean Roy and stuff. Um, they they were technically very good, but it, it was just that, that that extra bit of emotion, and that's difficult to maintain throughout um, throughout the season. And I think when you play well and you lose, it it does sort of. You know, we've seen it with Wales down the years. You know, the play Southern Hemisphere teams come so close, and then. You know, if you don't get over the line, even if you've played well, it sort of knocks you. So that'll be a challenge. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's about um, 
it's about keeping players fit because um, you know you look at the outside half position. You know, Hanrahan I think had a knock. Sam Davis is out, so you know Greed won't play next week. So you know, obviously, if 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 all those three are out, then they're in a bit of trouble. So um, a lot of his luck, but um, I think that, that inevitably is going to be um, a page in the season where there's a bit of a downturn. But it's how how they react to that that um, that uh, will define their season. Yeah, and there, there are certain positions that they're better stocked than others. And actually, this has been the, the best they've been stocked at outside half. For, you know, the last two or three seasons, Sam Davis has been playing there on his own and just seemingly hasn't got injured the whole time and played 80 minutes. But um, yeah, hopefully, you know, the, 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 the first two that you mentioned on the list aren't, uh, aren't too far off and we're not going to end up with, um, well, yeah, with, with players too far well, down. One thing I would like to say, um, we're talking about the Dragons. There's a lot of... Um, you know, we're, we're moving, we're going to rapidly be moving into sort of Autumn International period and people are inevitably going to be asking about who should be in the squad, any bolters and stuff. There's a lot of a lot of attention on Reese Webb and I get it, but for me, Scrum Half is a position in Wales where perhaps the quality isn't there in comparison to what it was like five or six years ago and it is quite open. But I, I, I actually thought Rodri Williams was superb yesterday. Um you know, he's as good as some players that are currently in the squad. You know, perhaps, you know, obviously, you know, test level is just a different level altogether. Totally get that. But, you know, just just his general way he controls the game. There was one exit, um, box kick exit, which was under huge pressure, nearly in his own 22, nearly ended up halfway. Um, just just really, really good lead. I've also he's a really underrated player. Um so I'm a bit baffled why he his name isn't really mentioned that that much in international selection. I'm not for one minute saying that he's a top end test player or anything, but um, in comparison to some of the scrum halves in the squad that the more that did to us Africa and played last season, I don't see why he shouldn't at least be in consideration for a for a place in the squad. I think yeah. So it's, I, firstly, on that point about yesterday, he was absolutely superb, and that's again, it's not the first time he's he's done that in a dragon shirt, and that's exactly what you need from uh, from your experienced players in a game like that. I know it wasn't enough to get us over the line, but you're right. Some of those exits, uh, you know, there's one in the first minute of the game, and it's just just nailing those box kicks and taking the pressure off, and, and overall game management was was excellent. I think again, it's the other point you mentioned there is test level is such a big step up. And, you know, I, I think it's... I know he has got test experience under him. It's just a question of whether or not the coaches feel that he can he can make that, that extra step at, at this stage in his career. And I don't know. I mean, certainly in, ter- in terms of form, he, he'll, be, he'll be putting pressure on. Murph, what, what do you make of that in, in, with a kind of Wales selection hat on? Yeah, it's an interesting point. Um, I, I go so far as to say as, like, the only mine in Wales playing well for his region... It is Reese Webb. Like uh, Thomas Williams is not playing especially. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's not terrible, but he's not playing especially well for Cardiff. Probably because Cardiff are not playing well, and uh, the, the nines at um, at uh, the Scarlets, none of them are screaming international when they play on the pitch. The Scarlets. But having said that, when when they do actually take on the get on the pitch for Wales, they're, they're all you know they're all okay. None of them are none of them are. Uh, Screaming out to be dropped when they play in the Welsh squad, but uh, actually on on club form, if you like regional form, uh, Reese Webb's the only one who's catching the eye. Uh, you know, on a, on a in terms of uh, line breaks and uh, affecting games, um, 
So therefore, you know, why, why not Roger Williams? Um, I, I think we've come, I think we might have just come out of a really strong era of scrum halves in Wales, like Steph said, and um, uh, there's no no one really uh, grabbing that number nine jersey in in in, uh, in the first team, or even anyone really saying I, I've definitely got to be in the squad of the you know the three scrum halves that make a squad. There's no one really screaming out I've got to be in, apart from on pass form for Wales. Let's let's just stick with this for uh, for a minute because we did have this message in from Andy on Twitter, um, which which made me chuckle a little bit as well. It says uh, if Reese Webb buys a majestic wine subscription for Wayne Pivak, will he uh, will he have a chance of being included in the in the Wales squad for the Autumn Internationals? No. And I do, yeah, I don't think he's got a chance. If I'm honest, I think you know the the way Pivak selections have gone in the past, that would probably suggest um, he, he just doesn't he doesn't look at him. I mean, I think. You know, you mentioned there, Steph. You know, that there's a lot of noise around Reese Webb, and then also kind of drew the comparison between, you know, with Roddy Williams. Um, for me, I think Webb just does offer you that top. You know, he's a proven top-class international player. I know he's 34. If I was picking the side, he'd be in it. But I don't see there being any chance of of Pivak picking him. What What do you think will happen, Steph? I don't think there's. Um, I don't think there's much of a chance for him again selected. Um, I think. His form has been decent. Um, I think he's he's done a lot of good things. Um, you know, he's still a very dangerous attacking player. Um, sometimes he's a bit ponderous at the base of the ruck. I mean, that seems to be a, a Welsh um, Welsh curse at the moment. But maybe that's down to lack of quick ball. Um, I think if you're picking the best three scrum halves in Wales, he's in that. But I just think, um, you know, I I I, I just I just think. Wayne Pivak is one of these coaches where once you've sort of fallen out of his mm. good books, then that's that. You know, Warren Gatlin was very similar. Um, so, yeah, to answer your question, I mean, I think he could still offer something for Wales, but um, I, I, I just feel as well that, you know, you look at the scrum half position and it, it, it's screaming out for a young nine to come through and really, really make his mark and, you know, Kieran Hardy's done all right. You know, Thomas Williams is the most talented, but maybe lacks a little bit of control. Um, Rodri's playing well, but as you, you know, I, I thought your point was very good there. And I, I just, I'm not sure whether selecting Webb might be a bit of a backward step. A snow offense yeah. for him. He's a good player, but I, I just think that they, they, they really do need somebody to come through. Scrum, scrum half's a problem position. You know, you look at the 20s, there's no one, uh, you know, remember years years ago, you know, when Thomas was playing twenties, he was a real standout. Going back to Webb, he was he was a standout. You know, Roger Williams was a standout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There isn't really anyone now, is there? Um, no. So that that's a, that could be a problem position moving forward. I think. Uh, yeah, you're right. It's weird actually because you know we always talk about the you know the mythical fly half factory in Wales. I would argue that it's a position internationally that has probably been the strongest throughout Welsh history. You know, if you look, you can pretty much see, uh, um, you know, a, a plethora of world-class nines who've played. There's not been that many chunks where there's not been a, a nine. You know, you go back through um, Webb, Phillips, uh, Peel, Howley, you know, there's the huge chunk. And then you, you go back to the, you know, the Terry Holmes and, and, and Gareth Edwards and whoever else I've missed in between Murph. Um, Robert Robert Jones, yeah, you know, there's, there's just, there's always been a wealth of, of talent at nine, 
Um, and I agree, that that shirt has been up for grabs for as long as Pivak has been there, really, hasn't it? it no one has made it their own yet. No, I agree, I agree with you. Um, and that, that's been a problem. I think he does need to settle on a nine. Um, mm. I mean, I, th- I think Kieran Hardy probably suited the way South Africa play in, in terms of the, the way to attack South Africa with a box-kicking game. Um, but I, I think, personally, that the throw off of the highest ceiling is Tomas. Um, mm. He has got a real X-factor in his game. Um, defensively, he's pretty good with his line speed. Um he can he can create stuff out of nothing, but sometimes he does lack control. Sometimes, like you know, there's been a few games where Cardiff have been on the front foot, they've been building and building, and then he'll try like something sensational, like the, the chip over the top of the defence. If it comes off, great, but nine times out of ten, it doesn't come off. And you know, you compare him to somebody like Jamison Gibson Park from from Ireland. Now, Thomas is a significantly more talented player than Gibson Park, no doubt whatsoever. But just the control and the nose and the rugby smarts that Gibson Park has got. He knows when to pass, when to kick. There's nothing. He knows he's not the most talented player in the world. He knows he's not going to score a try from 60 metres out. He knows he's not Gareth Edwards. But, you know, he, he knows when to do stuff. And he, he works well within a structured uh, a structured team. And that, that's the challenge for Thomas. He's talented. But he's got to know when to run. When to you know when to kick when to do things and he you know he's had his moments at test level but he hasn't quite been he hasn't quite consistently nailed it and as I said scrum half is a bit of a bit of a problem position I think uh, looking ahead to the World Cup and and beyond that just quickly before we before we go to a break I'm not necessarily suggesting uh, that this guy is the answer but someone I would like to see a lot more of. Uh, at uh, regional level is Dane Blacker. I don't feel like we, you know, I know he's been out on loan a few times, but I don't, he obviously doesn't get a huge amount of game time at the Scarlets and he came on at the weekend. Would he benefit from perhaps playing for playing for another side? We get more minutes under his belt. Yeah, 100%. Um, over the last two seasons, he's been the Scarlets' best from half. They, they've played their best rugby when he plays from half. Um, that's not to say that he's a better player than the other two. Um, perhaps as you know, the other two have been in the Wales camp, and it's very difficult to come back then. And you know, it it, it it's quite hard. It's not as it's not really as simple as going to play for Wales and coming back and bringing our form to your club. It just doesn't work that way. Um, and obviously in Ireland they got the depth to cover it. But yeah, I I I, I like Black. I think he's a really good broken field runner. Um, you know, he he scores a lot of tries. He keeps the tempo going. Is he international class? Don't know. Not sure. Um, but I think he he needs to be first choice at a club, playing in the big games week in, week out. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, he pro- probably would benefit from a move away. Um, but to where, though? Well, that's that's the problem. Uh, um, mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean that, that, that's a good question. I, I don't know the answer to that. But um, I do think that um, uh, the Scarless... Um, I, I think he deserves a run in the Scarlet Sun line shirt because I, I think he's been their form line for the past 18 months or so. Um, yeah, I, I think he deserves a shot. Fair enough. Right, we're going to take a quick break and then after that we're going to take a look back at the Ospreys. Uh, we're also going to look at really disappointing weekends for the Scarlets and for Cardiff uh, and all of that is coming up after a very quick break.
Welcome back to the second half of the Attacking Scrum podcast. I can see Murph just out the corner of his eye he was eyeing up another San Miguel in the fridge there, weren't uh, it? No, I, I, I was going to. Um, I was thinking of uh, bringing up the Thomas Williams, Jameson Gibson Park point that Steph made before the break uh, about mm. the um, nouse between them. It reminded me of the. It's quite a long time ago now, actually, but it reminded me of the comparison between Ronan O'Gara and James Hook. James Hook had more ability probably in his little finger than O'Gara had in the whole of his being, but you'd just have O'Gara every day of the week because there was no errors. There was no, you know, James Hook always had, he always wanted to take everyone on his own kind of thing when he should have been kicking to the corners or whatever, you know, whatever issues there are going on. But through that era, O'Gara just... You just you just wouldn't want anyone else playing ten in, uh, at that time. I know I know I know Jed would, and so would uh, Dan. I was I was, <laughs> I was also going to say this. This say is that. the week where you've got the pragmatist in Steph and Murph. You're being very pragmatic. If this was me and Yestin and Dan, <laughs> it'd just be like it'd be lo- I, the back line would be loaded with those players. I'm yeah, just going to say sorry. I'm just going to say uh, Stephen Jones. Sorry, I'm going to put out there was a significantly mm. better ten in O'Gara. Yeah, close. yeah. Well, that shows up in the number of Lions tests he played. Yeah, I was just going to say. But he wasn't directly in comparison with James Hook like O'Gara was. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and Munster were winning everything at that time. And, and the Ospreys were playing O'Gara and they weren't. They weren't. They were, they were cocking it up at the end all the time because Hook just didn't have that kind of killer instinct as a 10. But you're, you're right. Um, lots of people... Talking of players, though, I've mentioned this before. <laughs> I feel Hooky was owed... Uh, was owed a run at ten for Wales. I felt like they. Uh, John, Jones, Jones was a much no, no, no. I'm talking. Po- <laughs> yeah, but I'm talking post that. I'm talking post that, Steph. I think post 2011. Um, I feel like Hook. You know, he he didn't shine himself in the best light during that semi final. Well, the problem, the problem with there I, was. I feel like after that, he was a utility player. Yeah, like exactly. He, he warranted a run at ten. He, I know Priestland was in good form, but he also. Well, no, because the, the issue was there because when when Hook was due his run. Uh, Dan Bigger had taken his shirt at the Ospreys. That's what killed him. Yes, he had. So he, yeah, never, he, had, he couldn't yeah. even do it for his club because Dan Bigger at the age of 19 was already the sensible option if he wanted to win tight games. And, and, and you know, I, 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 the, old, the old romance thing, I'm fucking all over it because, you know, I grew up watching Mark Ring and, all, and even people like Ralph Nibs from over the border and all sorts of people who were just like mercurial talents and what have you. But if you want to actually win games in this era... You don't pick. You don't. You don't pick uh, James Hook over Ron O'Gara, and you know. It, it, I'm afraid that might be the reality of professional rugby. Like you know, I, I, I'd much rather go back to the <laughs> the era I grew up in, where, where sometimes you, you know, the team you watch locally might be a little bit hungover, so they don't play their best. But the next week they turn it on and they'd be fucking amazing. But that that's not that kind of thing is gone from the game. I'm afraid. I actually thought um, James's some of his best performances were in the 13 shirt. Mm. For Wales, yeah, it was a game at. Yeah, was, there was one at Twickenham where yeah, yeah, he scored a magnificent try. Twenty ten, yeah. he, he had an amazing hang uh, handoff when he was younger. Yeah, but he was um, yeah, he, he was a hugely talented player. But he's just one of these players, a bit like a, a Michelac in France, just mm. outrageously gifted player, um, and and did achieve a hell of a lot. I mean, he had I can't remember the top off the top of my head. He had over seventy caps for Wales. Yeah, yeah. a British lion, Grand Slam winner. So you know, he he was an excellent player for Wales, but. Unfortunately, you know, he in terms of playing outside half, he just wasn't in the right era, was he? And uh, no. somebody like Stephen Jones obviously suited that era, or Gara suited mm. that era. But yeah, I, I always thought Hook would have been better outside Stephen Jones. Well, how, ma- how many running tens uh, are there around now? You've got, you've got Marcus Smith, there's not many running tens now. 
Yeah, but the game's the game's changed now. It's got That's what I mean. Yeah, it's, 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 again, it's, but... it's changed. It's yeah. changed again since Hook's died, yeah, there, hasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but he's a great um, player, mine hook. Like, there's no downplay his achievements. No, 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 you, you will not. You yeah. will not hear anyone who will bang the drum harder than uh, than anyone. Uh, any, anyone? Uh, what the hell am I trying to say? You won't find anyone uh, who will bang the drum harder than I will for for James Hook. Uh, yeah, well, I, I've, I've definitely said. dragged part one into part two. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> well, and we could go on. I don't, well. know, how we, I don't know how we ended up on on this. I mean, it's debate, to be honest. It's my fault. I, I just went, I just tangented after you did the James and give some always, park I comparison. Always, I always found it growing up. This was before I was a journalist. I always used to get a bit, a bit, bit riled when people used to say, oh, Gara's better than Stephen Jones. He's better than <laughs> Hook. And I'm thinking, did you watch the 2009 Lions tour? You know? <laughs> I, I, yeah, I relive yeah. that moment in my head man. I've never been an Agara fan but watch like, Jones' I, I, performance yeah. That yeah it was magnificent yeah they, the pass out the pass out the back for, was it Kearney to go over um, yeah. I, I, I was also a big fan of uh, Jonathan Humphreys as well he had to tenor David Humphreys yeah I am Humphreys. I thought Humphreys I it thought Humphreys was better it would have been just like to say I, I would. Ne- I never compared Agara to Stephen Jones Stephen Jones is yeah. uh uh, undisable, shall I say? Is that a word? Uh, uh, when, it, when, when, when they when it came to the uh, days of uh, Ogara kicking drop goals to win games at the Arms Park, uh, whilst uh, we were still deciding whether we should pick Hook or whoever else at that stage, um, that was the comparison I was making. Yeah, it would be quite something to see John from Humphreys play ten uh, a Tesla, <laughs> wouldn't it? So apologies for that one. <laughs> I said, mate, you caught, you've caught the disease from Murph. You're welcome. We, we, have, we have one every week, don't we, where, uh, where you, you, get, you get a player's name on. <laughs> right, we better bring it back to the modern day as much as I would love to, um, to, continue, that, uh, to continue that great debate. Uh, let's talk about the Ospreys, though, with that, uh, yeah, with that segue. Um, good win for them. It's the game I actually I haven't seen, unfortunately. I feel like it's always the game that I miss when I can't watch all the games. Um, so they're, they're one of the sides I've seen less of so far this season. Murph, what did you make of the Ospreys this weekend? Oh, look, the scoreline's really deceptive because it, uh, it was 32-3 with 78 minutes on the clock. Uh, uh, Glasgow hadn't, you know, troubled the scoreline uh, and then they, they did score late and then there was time to kick off and they scored again, which made it look like they were ever in it. And uh, they weren't ever the, the Ospreys. In a way, the way they—I know Glasgow probably not the, uh, uh, the strongest Scottish side anymore. Edinburgh might have overtaken them, I think. But uh, the way they played this week makes last week look even worse again than what it was because that was a real cock-up last week. They, you know, they, I think they were playing so well in the first half, they actually took the Lions a little bit lightly and let them keep sneaking back into the game all the time, and then it blew up in their face at the death. But um, yeah, the, the, the way they played against you know, uh, it could have been it could have been a thirty point victory. In, in, in you know, uh, obviously it wasn't because Glasgow managed to sneak one at the death. But I think the Ospreys have switched off because they bonus point win thirty points up, and uh, that's where that's what it, that's what that game actually was. Potentially, it could have been. You know, if if Glasgow starts throwing it around, it could have been an interception, and you could have been on a forty pointer. <clears throat> It's very deceptive scoreline, I think, because uh, the Ospreys were dominant in that game. Yeah, actually, we did have a, a message in. I'm just having a, um, a look at it with regards to this, because I said last week uh, that 
and it was a weird week to say it, but I felt like the Ospreys didn't score enough, didn't score enough tries. Certainly didn't last season, and I know they they did get a bonus point last week, but it wasn't enough to to get over the line. Um, what do you what do you make of uh, of their attack this season, uh, Steph? A lot better, I think. Um, I think Richard Fuss has made a big impact. Um, I really like um, what I'm hearing about him. You know, when when you ask players and in press conferences and stuff, he's the, you know the you can just the, there's a natural sort of um, positivity coming from them. I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but but that's the impression I get. I think I think their 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 back plays a lot more. Um, there's a lot more innovation there. Um, it's it's just you know it's not simply just going from touchline to touchline. You know maybe a bit last season. You know they're they're a big pack. Um, you know they 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 got really good individual backs so they score the odd try, but it it was rugby by numbers in many ways. Not, not maybe that's a bit unfair, but they didn't create much. Um, but it's there's a lot more innovation there now. There's a lot more thinking behind the scrum. Um, I know Jack Walsh obviously missed that conversion. Um, not oh, sorry, that penalty to to win the game against the Lions. But I think he's added a lot with his attacking game. Um, I think I think he's brought a lot. Um, Gareth Anscombe is. Um, uh, I, I know he, he left um, left the field injured, but he, he's a, he's a class player. They're, they're a different team where he plays and. For me, as good as Dan Bigger is, I'm going off and on again. It's, it's, a, it's a genuine question, you know, Anscombe or Bigger. That that's mm-hmm. how good a player Anscombe is at his best. Um, and I think you know you've got a finisher like Keelan Jai who's really hit form. Um, and I said I said a couple of weeks back tonight that you know the Ospreys, their squad on paper should they should be competing to be in the playoffs. It should be deemed a failure to not get in the playoffs. And um, the missing link was their attacking game. Obviously, there's still a long way to go. It was a bad defeat against the Lions, but I was impressed with them against Glasgow. And um, it's just they're they're always a team that can win an arm wrestle. Maybe they might come up short against some of the biggest African packs, but against most teams, they can win an arm wrestle. A scrum is as good as anything in the league. But now they can they're starting to learn the art of turning pressure into points. You know, in turn, not from the boot or drive a line out behind the scrum. You know, they can. They can pounce, you know, if if if, the, if it's gone loose, you know, they've got people like Keelan Giles. I think Owen Watkins has been the best rugby of his career as well. I think he's a really underrated player. And um, I, I still think, you know, there's there's a long, obviously, there's a long way to go. I think there's a lot of improvements to be made, but I think it's obvious that Richard Fussell has had, had an impact. Um, so I, th- I think I think they are heading in the right direction. Yeah, no, that's uh, no, obviously uh, encouraging, encouraging to see. Um, and thanks to to Gareth Thomas for for sending that uh, for sending that question in. Um, yeah, Murph, what have you what have you made? Uh, you know, I, I, I suppose um, yeah, the not just um, not just the the attacking play, but do you, do you think the Ospreys will be happy with where they're sat now? Um, you know, do you feel like there's an opportunity to kick on after getting that win? Because ultimately, they they surely would have been disappointed with the first two results of the season. Yeah, uh, no, I don't think they'd be happy with where they are. I definitely think they. They think they're four points shy after last week, where they were. And like I said earlier, and like Steph said, if um, Hanscom was playing, they'd probably win that game. Um, in fact, against the Lions, I thought Reese Webb was a bit shoddy at the back of the scrum, and led to a led to yeah, an interception really try. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that was the kind of nonsense that was keeping the Lions in the game and and allowed them to be in a position to steal it. Um, and no, I don't think they'd be pleased with where they are because. There's just so much ability, like in the side, um, especially at home. Obviously, look, uh, uh, 
we're seeing potential in them now, but I don't know what the next fixture is, but they could be heading off to South Africa next month or this month, should I say, uh, in which case you, you, you come back from there with nothing probably. Uh, and then you, you, you play and catch up again at home because you've let these crummy little home fixtures slip, you know. The next one actually is a, yeah is a really big is a really big game. It's Ulster away next week. Yeah, uh, so yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a real test of the metal, though. Like you say, you know, um, letting letting the kind of letting things slide at home is it, it, frustrating. And and when the Ospreys were, you know, were um, were kind of a. a Performing, you know, performing well in the the Celtic League or whatever it was called at the time, you know, they had a fantastic home record and they had a really good home record in Europe for a long time. But that's that's long gone now. Yeah, long gone. And yeah. and and you know, they've you're right. They they've kind of got to go into turning those, uh, yeah, turning those poor results into into just getting over the line and, and building momentum. But, but should, next week will be a really they, tough game. They, they should be going to Ulster to win. Like, what, mm. why shouldn't they win in Ulster? Look at look at the squad the Ospreys have got. You know, Justin Tickbrick will probably be back. You know, name me a better forward in European rugby as an all-round player. You know, guy guy can win the game, but none is old, but he, he give it a good good go. You know, just just look at the quality, look at the strength of their pack, the scrum they got. Um, if they click, there's no reason why they can't go to Ulster and win. Ulster a very good side, but let's not forget. You know, I, I imagine you're gonna have a bit of a dig at the Scarlets in the next. Um, section, but Scarlet scored what they score against them, 38 points. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll still be favourites. It'll be a tough place to go, but I don't, I don't, and, you know, you look at the Osprey squad, the, the, mentally, they shouldn't be thinking, oh, let's go here and get a bonus point. They should be like, hang on, man for man. Don't see, you know, we're better in a lot of positions. They, they should be going there to win that game. You know, they shouldn't be going there and be content to get a point. On paper, they got the strongest squad of the Welsh teams. They should be in the top eight of that competition. So I, you know, obviously there's, it's not played on paper. And as I said, you know, Ulster a top team, but I don't see why the Ospreys can't go there and really give it a good crack. To be honest, yeah. I, my, my point was that they're probably one of the rising teams in the league and and across Europe, Ulster at the moment. Uh, and on top of that. Uh, Traditionally, you can't get a decision over there from yeah, any that, ref. That is a good, that so is a you've got to beat them by, I would say, 15 points if you want to win the game in Ulster. Um, yeah. And that's why, that's why, you know, in re, you know you're, everything you say is right. But in reality, uh, yeah. it, it doesn't happen often. You know, I, I can't remember the last team uh, to win in Belfast um, for, uh, of the Welsh well, region. So, Oh, yeah, I was going to say, they did, they did lose there on Friday night, but it was to Leinster, which, yeah. uh, you know, arguably doesn't count, does it? <laughs> yeah, and uh, just on, on that, uh, going back to the Ospreys um, uh, issue, going forward, losing that silly home game, all these South African sides are in the top eight at the moment, even the bum side from South Africa, the supposed bum side from South Africa is in yeah, the top I eight. Yeah, I know, this is, a, this is a bit of a fallacy, actually, that the Lions are a bum side, well, isn't it? Well, the weakest, um, the, the less the likely weakest, to tear yeah. you a new one side, should we say. Uh, they're all in the top eight, and now all their best players are coming back. Hmm. You know, the, the, the uh, rugby championship's over, they will have a break of a few weeks, I don't know how much time they'll give them off. And from, from, your, from here on in now, Every Welsh side has got to face them fully loaded with Springbok squad, and they were they were using a big squad, uh, forty plus people, um, uh, South Africa. So there's loads and loads of quality players to come back into those sides, and and where the um, I, I don't disagree with the point, but the point's been made about the it's made the league much more competitive. It might be about to become uncompetitive because if these South African sides kick on from here, 
there's no, there's no, well, there's only one side in their fucking, in their ballpark, and that's probably Leinster. Munster have dropped off. Uh, they're the only side that are going to be competing with them, possibly, you know, if, if they kick on as hard as they might from, from here with all their internationals back, it might make it less competitive. It might become a fucking show reel for the South Africans. Well, I, I know there's there's going to be a horrible period around like January, February, March yeah. when everyone... Yeah, 35 degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and there, there are some serious hidings getting uh, getting handed out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's not... Um, you, you might well be right on that. Just to finish on the Ospreys on this point, we had this question in from Leon Rees. Uh, it says, based on current form... Uh, do you think Keelan Giles will be in the autumn squad? I'll throw that one to you, Steph. Um, I think he merits consideration, but I think Pivak's quite settled, isn't he? Because he's got. It depends on Cuthbert, obviously. If Cuthbert's fit, he's going to be there because he's because he's so good in the air as well. Um, I actually um, interviewed Alex Cuthbert up in um, Slough for the URC launch. Still can't get over why he was in Slough, but anyway. <laughs> um, um, but um, you know, he was saying like they. I know I'm going off and one again, but they, the Welsh <laughs> coaches are told them don't don't add anything else to your game. Just you for a reason. Get better what you're good at, and that that suggests to me that he's Pivot's man. He's in as long as he's fit. You know, North's obviously an option on the wing. Although you play centre, um, Josh Adams will be there. Rhys Armour to be there. I just think um, ha- ha- let's let's face it, half is going to be in the squad. Um, even with so with Liam out, so they they're gonna. I think Giles will probably miss out because he doesn't put. You know they need somebody who can play full back. So I think um, he's injured at the moment, isn't he? But I think if I was selecting the squad, I would be more inclined to go for Tom Rogers. If I was gonna go for a, and well, he's not uncapped. He's one. He's one of cap, isn't he? Um, and gets cans and, and Argentina the other year. But I, if I was gonna pick a bolter, then probably would be him. Um, base purely because he's he's a full back, so I think Giles and Ryan Combia, um, those two are the sort of next cab cabs off the rank. I think mm. they got big international potential, but I just think they're gonna have to like buy their time a little bit, and I, I'm not quite sure it's Giles's time quite yet, because people forget like people are ruled you know they rule Giles out because he had that horror injury, but when when it seems like a lifetime ago, you know, people are criticising Rob Howley for not giving him his first cap against Japan, but Giles was 18 back then, 18, you know, yeah. he's still a kid now, really, isn't he? So I think he has got time on the side, I, I, if he stays fit, there's some after time for me, but I'm not sure it's the right time. Yeah, and arguably there is, you know, I, I don't see much point in him being in the Wales squad to hold tackle bags, no. I think, you know, as much as I'm sure he would appreciate the the recognition, um, He's he spent so much of the last five years on the sidelines through injuries that actually playing for the Ospreys and getting more game time under his belt, I think, would be more beneficial. What do you reckon, Murph? Yeah, I do. Uh, a, a long run of games is something he hasn't really, at regional level, hasn't really managed uh, much throughout his career. And he's been around a, a while now. Um, yeah, as far as this autumn goes, my concern with him is the same as it's always been. Uh, it's his defence at the international level. Um Therefore, for me, Ryan Com. If you were going uh, like Steph said between those two, Ryan Combe would edge it for me. I think I think Keelan Giles might be benefiting right now from the fact that he's playing for the best region or the, t- the region that's actually showing some uh, shape, and uh, the Scarlets aren't playing that well behind. And so, yeah, I think if they were, you'd be seeing more more of Ryan Combe 
you'd be less anonymous out in the wing. Yeah, right. Let's uh, let's let's move on to the Scarlets then. As you queued out a few, you're welcome. There nicely. Yeah, you have, mate. It's nice, nice to get that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, let's uh, let's get your take on this stuff. I thought it was an absolute horror show from the Scarlets. To be honest, I thought it was really, uh, you know, the the first 40, 50 minutes in particular was um, was really disappointing. Um, before I throw that over to you, I am going to get my weekly rant about uh, refs and TMOs out you, here. You do it. I, f- I can't. In the me. first. The forty seconds into the game, uh, there's a leading arm, you know, arm away, you know, an elbow to the face, of Josh McLeod. Now, again, uh, whether there's any malice in it or not um, is irrelevant to me. It's a red card. Now, putting all of that aside, to not go and have a uh, and have a proper look at it, uh, I think it was Busby the the TMO. What? The hell was that about? I cannot fathom it. It's the Josh McLeod is out. You know, he wasn't out stone cold, but he's 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 gone off. You know, again, probably with a, a suspected concussion. Um, the damage is there to see. You know what I mean? It's like this has caused a, a serious head injury mm. at a time when we're supposed to be stamping this out from the game, and the officials haven't even checked it. And that to me is is disgraceful. Yeah. Look. Look. You know, let, let, let's ask the question. Does the URC take concussion seriously? I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's a legitimate question because we've got the same referee up in um, Glasgow last week. Um, I forget the name of the Glasgow 10. He goes to tackle a Cardiff player and his shoulder drives up. It's not an instant hit, right? He does not attempt to wrap. The ref says he attempted to wrap. He didn't. That, that just didn't happen. And he drives up into the player's face. Now, Wayne Barnes refs that game, for example, you know, an actual top ref. Yeah, top class ref. Red card. It's not, not even up for debate. Uh, an international ref gives a red card. Now, you're quite, you're quite right. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced that the Benton player, I'm not sure it was intentional, but he didn't even attempt to look at it. He should have, it should have been a proper on-field review. Um, and also, um, so that's that's the most important thing. But the, the Scarlets were very poor. They did not deserve to win that game. But no. second Benderton try, not straight in the line. Now, two fold passes. And the player jumps, literally jumps onto Ryan Combia. That's an offence in itself. Now, does the referee not understand that you can't pass the ball forward in, in a game of rugby? Uh, and this, this I've followed this these officials, you know, and these are common occurrences, you know, and the the, the standard of officiating the Gallagher Premiership is significantly better than the URC, as it is in France, and it is a big, big problem, and it's not just a referee, what, what, what's a TMO doing? What what are the linesmen doing? Um, you know, it, it's it's just really poor, um, but more than anything else, you know, just, just the player safety issue, you get that instant up in Glasgow, that's a red card, that that is an absolute stone cold red card, and you know a player goes off um, with a knock to the head. Um, you know Josh McLeod f- first minute of the game, and he's not you know he's not you know direct contact to the head, not even looking at it. I mean, come on, you know you got you got to you got to ask are they are they taking head injuries seriously enough in this in this competition? I don't the answer to that is I don't know. Yeah, and it's I mean based on that. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that is the case because that's surely what the TMO is there for, right? You think of all the other bullshit occurrences that you go to a Look TMO at for. Evan Roos you know, a fra- um, on the weekend, 
I, I was not a red card. You know, just in just in general, it's just you're just baff, baffled by a lot of these decisions. If I'm being honest, with um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I am as well. Let's um, let's bring it back to that uh, that performance on the pitch, Murph. I take it there was very little for um for you to pick out that that Scarlets fans can be pleased with. No, I mean for a club, you know, uh, Scarlets, and then before that, Lethley, and you know, it's the same team really. They they they. DNA is uh, back play, silky back play. Uh, they were f- dog shit, you know. Uh, people like Johnny Williams, for example, he- he'll always make tr- breaks and score tries because he's a great carrier. But uh, on the, this particular game, he couldn't pass to save his life. He, he was just, I mean, I don't think he- he's a type of player who really wants to pass. <laughs> he's a, he likes to just battle his way upfield and he's not especially keen on uh, anyone taking the limelight is the impression he gives sometimes but he, when he does have when he's forced to pass he just I mean a couple of them are just at people's faces or, or yeah, really bad and I'm singling him out because he, he showed ability on the day scored tries made line breaks but uh, generally speaking that you know the ball just was not flowing across the line like it would in the days of say Regan King or or any other you pick any other era of uh, the Scarlets it was it was I, what I will say is the pitch was unusually boggy I, I don't know it must be have its own little climate going on up in Benetton because it looked like it was January of the pitch um, but didn't stop Benetton spreading the ball so there's no reason why the Scarlets couldn't and uh yeah, the, I suppose the upside was Ken Owens back on the pitch. Um, and and Halfpenny. Yeah, yeah those two. And Halfpenny's straight back into the slot with his kicking, knocking over 40 yarders and everything. But um, yeah, back play was uh, uh, absolute uh, garbage. It was, yeah. So uh, no, very, very little, um, very little to, to cheer Scarlet's fans up there. Equally as awful uh, was, uh, was the Cardiff performance on Friday night I thought and something seems seriously can awry I, there can I just yeah. have my say go on, yeah, uh, yeah go on please on do yeah. I mean it's it's a it's a simple game rugby's a simple game you, you lose the collisions and you nine, nine times out of ten lose a game of rugby and you know they just lost the physical battle up front basically um, as they did against Ulster um, against Ulster Ulster engaged in an open game which gave Scarlet's opportunities but they their pack is very unbalanced. You know, the 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 whole back five of their scrum are back rowers. Um, Lucy's mm-hmm. a very good player, but you know he's an athletic lock. They haven't replaced Jake Ball, um, and and unlike the Dragons, there's a real lack of intensity um, in everything they did. They came back into the game, and and if they were a bit smarter, they could have won the game. But they're just shooting themselves in the foot with their indiscipline, and I just think that 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 squad. Um, you know, Dwayne Peel has inherited that squad. Um, he's only been able to sign two players. Um, I, I just think he, he needs time to bed in and recruit the play, players he wants because um, at, at the moment, um, you know, I, I, I just I just think that the, the players aren't aren't really um, playing as well as they should when when you look at the amount of caps a lot of them have got and whatnot and. Yeah, but but for me, it all starts up front. That they just don't have the the physicality to compete with the bigger packs, and um, until they can sort that out, then you know they're, they're not going to win as many games. Um, and and also the line out, you know, it was the same against the Ospreys and Arnold's stay again into good positions in the opposition twenty-two overthrow or a, you know knocking the ball on from the line out and not lifting in time. And 
you know, it's just coach killers. You know, there's coach killing moments throughout throughout the game, but you know, the the root cause is is the pack and a lack of physicality, and and also when the Scarlets were successful, they were so good at the breakdown. They've never had the biggest pack, but they had Burn, they had Barkley, they had James Davis. They were absolutely immense when in turnover ball and that transition uh, from attack to defence and just causing chaos in broken field. They didn't actually create much from set plays when they won the league. It was all from broken play, turnover ball, but they got nothing at the breakdown at the moment. The one scavenger they got, Josh McLeod, was taken from them after one minute. And, you know, they, they just, they, they really need to... Um, to, to look to just looking ahead the next couple of year seasons that they, they need to they need second rows um i think i think also they need an open side flank i mean the answer to that is obvious but um you know the the lack of physicality is um is very concerning it would probably be helpful for all the uh for all the regions as well if they had a fairly decent idea of what their playing budget is going to be uh with a, with a bit of time to recruit as well which you know is, is not help is not helping anyone is it no. um but yeah, just uh, just to bring it on to uh, on to Cardiff, who suffered another bad defeat on uh, on Friday night. Murph, two weeks ago, we were saying the monster win was great, but they have to build on it, and it has gone massively awry since then. Yeah, uh, well, I, I don't know what it was like in the rest of South Wales, but Friday afternoon in Cardiff was lashing it down properly biblical stuff like uh, local flood, localized flooding all the none of the drains could cope and it was blowing a gale and as i was driving through cardiff i i just internally said to myself cardiff can't win in this weather because it'll be a former forward dominated game because of the weather and cardiff haven't got it up front well much like uh steph has just said about the scarlet cardiff's pack is not up to winning a tight effort i mean they've recruited a second row who looks like a back row um, I, I, I look. I don't know. They did a ball carrier, and, and Lapetti just d- d- uh, does fit that bill. But they also needed some tight forwards, and um, he's not a tight forward. Uh, and that's why in games like that, you, you, they're just going to cave. Uh, going off off piece a little bit, the way English rugby clubs are caving at the moment financially means there's going to be. Uh, reappraisal of wages in that country, if that makes any sense. There's going to be people out to work. There's going to be people having to take smaller contracts. There's going to be people spare, like there's actual spare Worcester players knocking around. In the in the medium term, will that mean that, I know, I know you just said we, we don't even know what their budget is and neither today, but in the medium term, does that mean that Welsh clubs will be able to compete better with over the border in terms of the stars or, or not stars, any anyone, just stock front five people who are like you know okay at front five in uh, possibly in the short term you know providing that uh, there are some players available who you know who don't pick up a contract in France or whatever which you know yeah. more than likely there, there might be uh, well the thing is yeah, France have got the choice of the whole globe really apart from yeah. Japan no one competes with them on wages so they don't need to pick up like a uh, a second string Worcester guy who was probably more than good enough to break into most of the regional front fives. Do you see what I mean? And and he's going to be in the pool of available players. Obviously, there's the issue of NWQs, non-Welsh qualified stuff. So they've got to they've got to tread carefully around that. But all all the regions are just weak in the Ospreys aside, maybe are just underpowered in the front five. But the problem with France is um, obviously 
the the GIF ruling means you know that the, obviously there's there's less um, uh, places for overseas players as well. So that there might not be as many places in France as there might have previously been. Um, I just think in in rugby in general, and you know wages are going to have to. You know, they're going to have to decrease. Unfortunately, it's probably not what the players want to hear, and I understand yeah. that. But you look well, the sport the sport doesn't generate there's, enough there's money. Not enough money. <laughs> it doesn't generate money the money for them to be paid like that. As simple as that. And, and clubs have obviously, um, you know, throughout since the game went open. You know, there's been a lot of clubs with very rich benefactors, and a lot of these benefactors are so credit because they kept the game afloat. But at the same time, it's meant that you know there's been a lot of vanity in the game and a, a lot of. Um, overspending and um, clubs not spending, you know, spending beyond their means. And, you know, it's just the reality. There's going to have to be, there really has to be, um, you know, wages are going to have to be driven down. It's not It's not a nice thing to you, but that economically and from a business point of view, that there's really no other option. But I think, um, in, in, to answer your first question, I think it, well, it's difficult because obviously the Welsh teams don't know their budgets. They say they don't know their budgets. They probably have a rough idea of what they'll have. But, That's why I uh, said medium term, not 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 right away. It's, it's difficult, but the problem is all is faffing around. I I, I think it's uh, it's very um, disappointing, really. In, in many ways, it'll be a controversial statement. But you know, you, you got the Women's World Cup, and you know, absolutely vitally important um, event. But you have um, Nigel Walker and Steve Phillips, the chief executive in New Zealand, when. The, there's four professional teams, two of them technically run out of money by the end of October, and they don't have they, they don't have you know you know the, the the new funding model hasn't been agreed upon, and they're in they're the other side of the world. Now, obviously, if this situation wasn't going on, that's where they should be. But do you really think? I'll ask you, Jed. Do you think that that's appropriate, really? Considering the, the really precarious situation that that four professional teams find themselves in, is is that the right thing to do? They surely they should be in Wales thrashing out the deal. That should be the main priority, ensuring the long term survival of professional rugby in Wales. Which, in case your viewers aren't aren't um, clear about, also means the long term survival of the national team. But they they've left the country. I'll go you one further, Steph. This should have been, you know, the the two things should be able to take place because this deal should have been thrashed out a long time ago. You know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be oh. midway into the season, um, and therefore, you know, uh, Phillips and Walker would be would be free to go and um, to go and be present at the World Cup. You know, largely in a in a dignitary capacity, I would imagine. Um, you know, and and that and it's, it is vitally important to go and to go and support the the women's game to take it seriously and to and for it to grow. But the, but but the, the you know this is nothing new. This is not a this is not a COVID induced problem that has heightened everything. This has been this has been going on for over a decade. And um, but yeah, in, in relation to this deal in particular, this this should have been thrashed out long before, and therefore this this wouldn't have been a conflict. But but this should be the priority. This should be the absolute priority. Um, well, given that given that Phillips is supposedly a money man, you know that's his that's his strength, and uh, and that's you know that was the that's that's the reason he was kind of bought in. Then, then absolutely it should be. Yeah, I, and and it's you know as I said, the the Women's World Cup is vitally important, and in normal times they they should definitely be out there. But the future of four professional teams and 
I don't. It's not dramatic to say it's it's on the line. It's it's going to be very difficult. Um, you know, it, it's just you know. I I, th- I think you know. You'd hope that all four will survive, but this is a precarious situation. It's not. It's not. It shouldn't just be about survival. It should be about creating a plan where they thrive. Because if you carry on with the same model, right, you've still got four teams. They exist. That's what all they're doing is existing, and it's a slow death then. Every year, slightly get worse and worse and worse. Crowds are going down at only four odd thousand at, at Swansea.com Stadium for, for our strongest team, um, you know, the Ospreys. You know, it, it's it, it, it's a priority. I, I just think, you know, and, and you, you talk to any, any professional rugby agent and they will tell you that the vast majority of deals in terms of new signings get made by Christmas time for the, for the season afterwards. Well, how you know they could talk to players, they could they could promise players stuff, but they're not in a position to offer any deals because they don't know their playing budget. That is an absolute disgrace. There's no other word for it. Yeah, and yeah, and again, I think it's it's worth yeah. This is my opinion on it, right? This isn't a it's not a slight on the on the women's game, absolutely not, because the women's game is dependent on. The, the you know yeah. the, the cash cow that is the Welsh national side right it's the only bit that's made any money in uh, in, in the vast majority of, um, of professionalism so you have to figure out a sustainable financial model that keeps those clubs going gives them a reason to thrive producing players for the national side so you can continue to um, or continue to get back to selling out uh, the Millennium Stadium on a regular basis so that that money is coming in we got a hugely top heavy model in Wales and that in itself needs addressing. But you're right. In the, in the short, the short to medium term, this financial crisis has to be, you know, has to be solved and thrashed out. Otherwise, we're gonna, you know, we, you're just kicking the can down the road, and we're gonna have an even bigger one to to solve, which which might end up in in sides in sides not existing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as you said, women's game is as important as the men's game. But and you know, as you you know rightly said, the only thing that's made money has been selling out Principality Stadium and they can't do that anymore then everything else suffers and it's not it's not just that but the point i'm trying to make is because as you made the top heavy approach um what it does is a short-term fix um to to a long-term sort of to, to a deeper rooted problem because if you neglect your your professional teams you know the development pathways the welsh premiership situation is a joke you know nigel walker should have had his way it should have been nine teams max. But my point is, if you neglect all that, then eventually the rot spreads. It already has started to spread up there. Um, and and then you lose money and then everything else suffers. So it's just it, the lack of urgency is just... There's no real words for it, is there? Really, it's um, very disappointing. The um, original premise of my point or question or whatever I was making was quite a positive one at first because <laughs> uh, if is there a, is there an out of contract second row at Worcester who, <laughs> no no uh, who no, no it was, it was much more positive than that because like English clubs going under you know I'm not going to celebrate but you know they, they the overspend it means we can't compete the overspend over the border means our clubs whether we got finances in, in order or not means we can't compete financially with the best so for example Zavrush uh would in another in this year they would get nowhere near Cardiff because he would have been scooped up by Bristol or someone else because that's where the money is. So them caving financially and I mean Worcester 
they got you know I'm not dissing Worcester, but it's not the same as Leicester going pop, not at all. Worcester got no history, you know. I can't remember them when I was a kid at all. I can't remember them being a thing. So it's not it's not that big a deal. But the Wasps are in 25 million debt or something, mm. and they're, apparently they're all in debt and all losing money every season. They're not in profit and they're all in millions of pounds of debt. Every single team in the Premiership. So uh, you know. Uh, the reason the, <laughs> the reason the initial question was quite optimistic is because I hope a lot of them cave financially, have to cut their cloth accordingly, and leave us to be able to compete. That was the. I know, I know, I know. We're being the readdressing of the balance. Yeah, I know we're being run by amateurs. Yeah, that, don't get me wrong. <laughs> that, that makes that makes a point. But then you do you do also look and and see that we're still going to be playing in a league with uh, with the Irish sides who you know who are. Um, oh yeah, no salary cap. who have significant yeah. yeah, and there's no salary cap, so they can continue to get stronger and stronger. Sure, um, sure, sure. But I mean, they they, they generate wealth, you know. The, that, that's, they that's they the get bigger crowds, that. paying more money. So that, that's that, why they. But, but that's that's why, and I know it sounds really bonkers because of what's happening in England, but the lot for the long term sustainability of Welsh rugby. I know we got all these people on social media saying. Oh, why don't you inject positivity in the game? <laughs> I don't give a shit about positivity. I don't give a shit about negativity. I'm a realist. I only deal in facts and figures. And we, if well, if the Welsh teams want to be successful, they have to negotiate away into PRL. <laughs> you know, because because you can't you can't you can't police the salary cap in the URC. You know, as you quite rightly said, they can generate their own wealth in Ireland. You look, you got the Bank of Ireland. You know, you look look at all all the companies they got out there. Um, and, and the population and stuff. Per head of population, our crowds are probably better than the Irish, but that's not what counts. And and it's just, you know, South Africa got, they haven't got the biggest playing budgets, but the, the population is so big. Um, it, 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 you know. And the, the, the player base is monstrous yeah, in South it, Africa, you know, at school level. But if you play, if you play in England, you know, you've got, and it's not going to happen anytime soon, right? I'm not, you know, but, but just talking hypothetically, if you play in England, you're in the league, we got salary cap, um, and also, in terms of the the money, the Welsh money men, you know, I have a good authority that people in the past refuse to put money into the Welsh teams because of the league they play in. You're attracting money, you're attracting sponsorship. If you play in England, Wales is past. Wales, Wales's history is a club history, and I mean, when I mean clubs, I mean Newport, Llanelli, Swansea, maybe Neath. And, and Cardiff, right? They, they they should be playing in England. That that's what should have happened when we went professional. But now we got this dogs didn't have a situation. And you know, yes, you know, a lot of us done success when the Scarlets won the league. The crowds went up. Remember, they had ten thousand for Glasgow for an average league game. So and, and the URC is is a is a competitive league and it and it is improving. And you know, a lot of the teams in the URC are better than the Gallagher Premiership. But if Wales. Welsh teams play in the Premiership without a salary cap, and they'd have an opportunity to become sustainable, and they'd be able to compete. Um, but you know, it's not going to happen anytime soon. But if I was with the pro teams, if I was on the board of the pro teams, I would be making it uh, a long-term goal to find a way into PRL. But obviously, there's a lot of um, lot of problems there because you need you and approval. But um, yeah, I, I just think yeah, we we got dogs in there, haven't we? The the point the point you made there about money men not not backing the not backing the sides because of the competition they play in. I would go one step further and say your average punter won't back the side exactly. and give them the, the pound in their pocket to go and watch it because it's a yeah. it's a bullshit league. It doesn't you know, 
I, I, I've said this a million times on here. Like, how do you explain it? Um, again, like, again, my wife who has no interest in rugby. Wandered in earlier, and, and she's like, "Who's it? Who's this? Who's this? The Dragons are playing." I was like, "The Sharks." She's like, uh, "Where? Where are they? Where are they? Where are they from?" And it's like, yeah, it's like they're well, they're South African, obviously, because we're we're a Welsh side playing against a South African team for no bloody reason. It just it just doesn't make any sense. And you know, I'm not saying that you know that every uh, the the people living in living in Wales who have an opportunity to go and see the sides, you know, don't know who these teams are. It just doesn't capture the imagination. Whereas if you, if you've got a spare Friday night and Cardiff are playing Gloucester, you quite fancy that. It's a thing. Gloucester yeah. are a side with history and, and, and it would mean something to beat them even if you're bouncing around mid table. You don't have to spend thousands of pounds to get there, which is yeah. start. I mean I was even I'm even talking about in Cardiff for a start, but yeah the, the away games better still. You know, it's like, yeah. Do you know what? We'll put together. We'll put together. Well, a... When this um, subject has come in the, uh, come up in the past on this podcast, we've talked about it plenty of times. I've always said, well, I can't see that because the English don't need us. That's what I've said in the past. But it look ah. it looks like they might need us. It's, you know, if they keep if they keep uh, overspending and and just thing, then they they might need to. If a couple go a couple more go bust, like. Uh, uh, Buster and whoever else, whatever, whoever, uh, they might come have to come asking. But the, the, then you know, there's there's an obligation to the league we're in now, and it's it's not you know the story that burst out last week. Uh, Cardiff and Scarlets yeah. are going to go in. That, that that didn't pass the sniff test at all. But in the long run, you know, they, there's a chance now. Whereas I didn't think in a, a few years ago, I think there was ever a snowball's chance of it ever happening. The the only way it will ever happen is if it makes financial sense. For the biggest stakeholders, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, now PRL is what, whatever it is, twelve, thirteen clubs who essentially are the uh, are the are the PRL um, plus CVC lurking and in the wings. And you've got the issue said, of um, Ealing and Doncaster as well. Yeah, well, you do. Um, I mean, you could not pick a bigger bankrolled side than Ealing. You know, that is the the fundamental. You know, that 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 is a that's a bankrolled side it's, again, it's, isn't it's it? It's another London Welsh, isn't it? Waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, and also, where, yeah. where's the history in it? Well, well no, that yeah, there, there isn't. There's not. Um, but it, no, there isn't. Um, uh, you know, the question is when Ealing's benefactor uh, hands on the uh, hands on the baton to uh, to his I can't remember his name, old man trailfinder. But when he you know he hands the baton on to to whoever takes uh, takes over after him, will they fancy running a running a rugby club? Arguably, possibly still that's, in the English Championship. That's the problem. The benefactor model. It, you know, I, I, Worcester, I praise, look at it, yeah, Cecil I Duckworth, praise, right? Yeah, I, pra- I praise the benefactors. They don't have to do what they do, and they have in Wales. They, they, they you know, they, they kept pro rugby going. But the benefactor model isn't um, sustainable in perpetuity because of death and divorce. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and, uh, the death, issue. divorce, boredom, uh, <laughs> emigration, <Yeah. laughs> hiding their money offshore instead of putting it into a rugby club. There's all sorts of possibilities. <laughs> I think yeah, I think I think we all know the the only the only route out for the Welsh for the Welsh sides in the long term, and, and I don't even mean that long term is to is to is to get into uh, is to get into England I in think, some um, in some capacity. I think institutional investment might be the way forward. I mean, technically, we got that with the Ospreys. Um, you know, obviously that's that, that's a dangerous path to go down as well. But I think in terms of getting enough money um, to, to be able to compete. Um, you, you want that that sort of institutional investment where a company almost takes over a club, but you'd want mm. you'd, you wouldn't want them to have the majority share of it. You'd want you'd want 
you know, because they could do anything with it, couldn't they? But that that's the only sort of sustainable, one of the only sustainable models I can think of. Um, but certainly the, the Ben Factor model might have um, run its course, I think. Um, oh, yeah, I've no, I've, I think it has to. And you look at the, you look at the trouble that, and it's not just, it's not just Worcester and Wasps. You know, there are there are sides with serious financial trouble, and um, and it's it is from years and years and years of of running a club, running a club in debt. And um, as you said, right at the, you know, at the start of this this feisty debate, there's there's not enough money in the game to go around at the moment. So you've got to create a model where. Um, where there's enough money to go around and and then grow the game, so it's uh, yeah, scary times ahead. I um, think we brought. I think we agree with each other. So it wasn't especially yeah. feisty. We were passionate, but uh, like it, oh, it wouldn't oh, have ended yeah. up in the car park if we were on the local or nothing. It was just been. <laughs> I think um, maybe some pints might have been slightly spilled. That was it. I, th- I think um, I've uh, brought a bit of neg- spilt my bit of- spilt spilt my cherry brandy there, Murph. <laughs> I think I've. Uh, I think we're going to um, be accused of a lot of negativity because of uh, the look, USC comments. I, I think, or, I, I, no, look, I, I, you, you've got to call it how it is. And we I, don't if care. I'm honest, let's, the, realistically, the only people who really like that league are, uh, you know, are, are Irish fans. Um, because it works for and, them. Because it works for them. It yeah. works for it. Yeah, and and I, you know, would I would I would I be begrudging it if the Welsh sides were were packing out the stadium and their national side was doing well? No, probably wouldn't. But it's not. That's not the case. I would argue it's working for South Africa as well. Mm. I mean, they've oh, they got the back door into the European Cup now this year, and um, is that a, I don't think that's the best euphemism I could have used. But the uh, the you know they, they get they get to host big English clubs, big French clubs. Like it's for them, it's been amazing. Um, be interesting. Obviously, we're, we're going to be waiting to see how they get on against the the big clubs. But um, it'll be a shock, I think, to some of the English clubs when they start having to play. Bulls, sharks, tigers, cheetahs, yeah. other and animals another, um, that are available. And a, <laughs> yeah, and another big, uh, yeah, another big um, expense flying everyone out there as well. Yeah, but yeah, there we go. Yeah. Right, boys, it's been brilliant. I, I tell you what, I think Cardiff have got off the hook lightly there. We went on to we went on to talk about how bloody awful they were on Friday <laughs> night and ended up spending twenty five minutes talking about the future of uh, the future of Welsh rugby. Um, we didn't mention yeah, eggs at all. Yeah, let's. Uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a joke. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't possibly speculate on that one, Murph. Well, I mean, um, listen, they at least four weeks early for Halloween. That's when the eggs come out, and they round here, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, as we said, if there is any truth in it, there was very little uh, acts of aggression on, on the pitch on uh, on Friday night, anyway. Exactly. But uh, we'd, we'd probably better leave it there. Um, thank you, as always, uh, to Steph, to Murph. Really appreciate you uh, having the chat. Enjoyed enjoyed that one a lot tonight. Certainly a lot more than uh, croaking my way through it on my own last week. Um, so big thanks to that. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get some top-quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. I had a, a request for a shout-out this week as well, which... Um, might well might well be a first. So um so a big shout out to Big Dave Shepherd from Aberdeer. If you were, if you want go to get your shout outs in, f- f- go on Dave. Go on, Dave. Uh, surely his name's Di if he lives up there. Oh, that's, a good, that's, a, that's a good question. Yeah. We'll have to we'll have to drill into this. Yeah. Big Di Shepherd anyway. Yeah. Well done. Um, <laughs> and uh, and we will be back to chat rugby with you next week when uh, hopefully we'll be equally as passionate and who knows maybe about a few uh, uh, with with a bit more positivity as well. But uh, in the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll chat rugby with you next week.
Sports Social Podcast Network.